episode 201 of Tim Talk, the podcast about the DC animated universe, co-created by Bruce Tim. I am Chris Lord. I'm Cameron Dexter. And we are back for our final season. Our, our senior year. Yes. We get... <laughs> and as, as Cameron pointed out before we started recording, the senioritis has hit hard, considering that neither of us looked up any trivia. I didn't write any synopses. Hey, I did some trivia. You did some trivia. But, you know, to be fair, I feel like maybe the creators are also going through a bit of senioritis. Yeah, you know, so. we we applied to colleges. We got in. We're, we're now just coasting through onto bigger and better things in the future. <sighs> yeah, I, I have to say, like, I, I don't know if these episodes are actually bad or if they just feel so underwhelming because we just hit like some of the best episodes in the entire universe we yeah we hit peak dc yeah. over the past few weeks so i'm like i don't know what uh, yeah i i i was not super hot on either of these first two episodes a little bit yeah they are we just jumping straight into it are we going um i don't know we, we, we can we can amble a little bit How, how's your weekend cameron how you were at disneyland yesterday i was you, you were dapper dang it up how was dapper was. day it was lovely it's dapper weekend uh, i didn't realize today is the actual dapper day today's yeah oh i guess normally it's sunday isn't it yeah yeah um, re- remind our audience what your dapper costume was slash totally not me asking because I forgot. Oh, it's fine. Uh, I was <laughs> I was uh, <laughs> Baymax in his battle suit. That's so and it's the red and purple. Right. Hey, uh, we're, we're getting um, a new Baymax series. On. We are. Did you see the trailer? I did. It looks very, very cute. cute. It's very, very cute. Yeah. yeah. Um, I had friends ask me at the park yesterday, like, oh, why aren't they doing like Baymax when he's fighting? I said, because that's expensive. Yeah, it is. Fight choreography is expensive. Also, you know, this- it's not having a bubble walk across the screen yep also it's just it's very cute he's going around just like doing band-aid tutorials and looking for you know like local community centers yeah it's disney getting into the the medical field dramas exactly (laughs) disney's answer to er yeah (laughs) yeah that's that is a fantastic look yes how was the park it was it was good Mm -hmm. uh it was it was busy it's moving it's hustling it's Mm -hmm. bustling things are happening again we got fireworks we got shows again that's good yep Dapper Dan's are out, and they're dapper as always. Dapper as fuck. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it was it was just a really nice day. Oh, nice. Yeah. I'm glad Disney's returning to some sense of normalcy, despite the insane price hike. Oh, yeah. There was, uh, <laughs> the swing dancing was back last night. Oh, good. Okay. very nice. Okay. I very much missed that. Yeah, that is really cute. Mm-hmm. They had a band come out called the Fat Cat Swingers. That's fantastic. Yep, and they're lovely. I love that. Mm-hmm. For those of you who don't know, if you're looking at the Disneyland castle off to the left in like this little like princess corral area where there's normally what character meets during the day. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, what is it? Some Saturdays in the month they have like a swing band come out and they have swing dancing. Yeah. It's very fun. Saturday night starts at seven PM. Uh, but this time since it was since the festival of holidays is happening, which mm-hmm. is, means nothing to anyone but the two people in this room. Um, the, the two people in this room? Yep, that's it. That's that's the whole. <laughs> might, might you be overstretching the number? I mean, of people? for our listening, for our listeners, <laughs> um, it's it's a big event that happens in in Disney California, Disneyland California, well, Disney's California Adventure. Yeah, come or on, Cameron. what what come I'm on, talking Cameron, about? Get right it now. right. You claim to be a Disney expert <laughs> over here. How embarrassing for you? Uh, where they have a bunch of food carts come in, and they have kind of different uh, culture or music playing in different areas of the park, mm-hmm. and so they have like a. Really good, like a Jewish band that happens oh, in cool. one section of the park. They yeah. have uh, 
more like Spanish music happening in another corner of the park. And then in the middle, every now and then they'll have kind of the big bands. Big band is in the uh, like style yeah, of music like, of the fifties. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, come out. And then they had the, the swing dancing band there mm-hmm. oh. last night. That's awesome. So I'm very tired. <laughs> I bet you are. Yes. Uh, well, you would appreciate this. Yesterday I went to a, uh, a friend's birthday mm-hmm. event. Uh, shout out to my, my dear friend, Nita. Um, and it was a Harry Potter themed birthday. Amazing. And the only people that actually dressed up, the Hufflepuffs. Of course. I mean, of course it's only the Hufflepuffs. <laughs> because the Hufflepuffs would. Yes. <laughs> I would dress up. I know you would. That's what I was telling people. Like my friend who's like the most Hufflepuff that ever Hufflepuffed <laughs> would have dressed up as well. I, I did wear blue shorts. You know what? I, I that appreciate, was, that, I appreciate was the, that. That was the closest I could do. Yeah. <laughs> You know, because as a Ravenclaw, I am pretentious and wouldn't actually put the effort in. Right. Because Ravenclaws aren't used to having to try. Right. It's effortless. Yeah. We're naturally smart. Mm-hmm. And so we just don't put in the effort into things. Exactly. So, yeah. And, and we're so modest. So <laughs> modest. So modest. Aggressively modest. Very <laughs> thin line between the Ravenclaw <laughs> you're describing and the, and the Slytherin I'm thinking of. That's very true. That's very, very true. Maybe I do have a bit of Slytherin. Oh, you do. I do. <laughs> The, the, the speed and the certainty with which you said that was delightful for me. Yes. <laughs> well, it's not it's not that we have on camera personas, but we, but, we are extreme versions of ourselves right, on the podcast. Yeah. And your podcast persona is much more Slytherin. I was just than gonna say, I'll just say in real life, I'm not really even close at all. But yeah, the the, the podcast version <laughs> of me is. And I'm just Hufflepuff through and through. You you are the most Hufflepuff. I like hugs and I like bread. And that's a Hufflepuff. Are those the two things that define Hufflepuffs? I mean, pretty much, yeah. Where is the bread thing? Loyalty and they're the house closest to the kitchen. Sure. Canonically, they have stories where the Hufflepuffs befriend the house elves, so the house elves will bring them food after hours. That doesn't surprise me in the slightest. Yeah. Um, all right. I think I think now. Okay. We've had a little chat. We have. We've a caught little, up. A lovely preamble. Yeah. We, we needed this this icebreaker between our our Scooby Doo fight and now. <laughs> people loved it. I'm glad. I, I I even said on on mic. I was like, I don't know if people are actually gonna listen to this or not, but people really liked it. You know, they they were like, oh, this is getting intense. It did. <laughs> so, I uh I I did uh our uh my dear friend Sav who has not yet been on Tim Talk. Um, but he's been on um, Gate Forward, reached out. It's like, oh, my God, how could you do a Scooby-Doo episode and not invite me? Because I honestly forgot that he's a huge, huge Scooby-Doo fan. Oh, man. But then I asked, well, like, well, hang on. Which one would you have picked? And based on his answer, I would never have let him on the show. Look, <laughs> so... every person I've talked to about the episode, they've been on my side. <laughs> I always thought I was the Lone Island, but it's it's starting to sound like you're on your own. You know what? I don't care. <laughs> I will die on that hill. I will be alone while I do it. <laughs> But I will do it. Mm-hmm. So you know what's new. I shall. That's true. <laughs> Again, the Slytherin's really coming out here. Yeah. I shall not waver in my convictions about Scooby Doo Two Monsters Unleashed. Uh, all right. Well, but with all that out of the way, shall we dive into I Am Legion? Yes. Episode one of season three, the final season of Justice League Unlimited. So, 
Uh, and this one, uh, Lex Luthor has escaped prison again. That waskly wabbit. Surprise. Yes. And he's uh, essentially saved by a member of a new Legion of Doom that Gorilla Grodd has put together. Essentially a co-op for supervillains to help each other out whenever the Justice League might show up. And Grodd sends Lex on a test mission to Blackhawk Island to steal some as of yet unknown item which is eventually revealed to be, uh, I wrote this down here. The Spear of Longinus. The Spear of Longinus, which I think is maybe also sometimes referred to as the Spear of Destiny. I did forget to look this up. Yes. Um, the Spear of Destiny and the, the Holy Spear. Okay, yeah. Or the Holy Lance, because excuse me. Because I, I know at least in, um, and you, you know, you can check off your Tim Talk bingo card, as I mentioned, DC New Frontier. Oh, I was waiting for Empire Podcast. No, the Empire Podcast has not done a deep dive yet on this very particular <laughs> MacGuffin from the DC Comics universe. But in DC New Frontier, there is a panel that says that the superheroes were kept out of World War II by the Spear of Destiny. Um, I forget what its powers are exactly. But it's basically, Lex was sent to steal it just so that Grodd could put it on his wall, mm-hmm. which is a great power move. It's so funny. Respect that. It's so good. And even Lex respects it. He does. He's <laughs> like, like, you son of a bitch. You son of a bitch. I like your moxie, kid. Um, Would you like to know a little bit more about the Spear of Longinus? It's, it's very quick. You know what? While we're here, let's go ahead and yeah. do it. What, what, what's funny is in this era, in this kind of two-year span, it was the MacGuffin for three things, including this. Okay. There was a Spear of Longinus reference in Hellboy from 2004. In, and oh. in Constantine in 2005. Interesting. Yeah. it. I think it kind of made its way. I mean, it's, it's always been in American culture in a very specific way, which I'll get to in a second. Mm-hmm. But for pop culture, it was the kind of doomsday device from the show called Evangelion, which was kind of the first big sci-fi anime to Okay. To I've heard of um, Evangelion. Yeah. A lot of things reference it nowadays. Mm-hmm. Was, that a, was that a pun? What? You said it, it, it pierced. Oh, I did. I, I did. It was not intentional, but yes. <laughs> mm, rubbing off on you. Uh, but the Holy Lance is what it's also usually referred to as. Is also the... Um, Sorry, the, I, just, I, I immediately thought of Lance Bass. That's fine. He is holy. <laughs> it is uh, religiously thought of as the spear that was used to pierce Jesus when he was crucified. Oh, okay. When they, they pierced his side and water came out instead of blood. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so people have been like hunting this item down for you because people think that it's a real thing. Right. And so in, in our world, in reality, people have been hunting this item down for, for centuries. Yeah. Uh, and so, of course, it's going to become a sci-fi trope. Of course. Yeah, they must. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it. Oh, OK. Well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that does explain why it would also pop up in. I mean, uh, obviously, well, Hellboy's not DC at all. Right. Um, but Constantine is mostly i mean yeah well i mean it, 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 it pops up in kind of every yeah. pop culture thing. but that makes sense why it would then pop up at other places yeah so uh what does it do i have no idea but you did the wrong kind of research then Cameron. oh that, that wasn't research that, i just had that knowledge <laughs> i should have known should have known but yeah so this basically kicks off the idea that you know a a legion of doom has properly been formed now we, we've seen hints of this prior in justice league with secret society with the injustice gang um and i guess i guess this is worth kind of getting into right now that this season was not anticipated right or at least the producers had a feeling like everything was going to end after season two so they really went out of their way to wrap everything up i mean we talked about this a little bit um the last couple weeks but you know, epilogue is literally an epilogue to the entire series. 
and then this happens. So I I feel like at least in these first couple episodes, they were trying to generate it felt like they were trying to restart things that already felt kind of closed off and done. Like here they're kicking off the idea that like, okay, Lex is, you know, a villain once again, you know, and, and literally ended with him, you know, being paired with Brainiac at the very end of the last episode. It's like, oh, he's off on a villain again. And the, all the, the villains are teaming up again. And, you know, I, I, I like, I think I liked this when I was a kid. Cause I didn't really think that much about it, but now I'm like, this just feels a little generic, especially in comparison to the sophistication of what we had before. Yeah, I agree. I wonder, so with the Lex thing initially, just right off the top, we have it where the story opens with him taking over the police vehicle, kind of for no reason yeah. other than his own escape. Because they they bring up, we, we meet, not we meet, we're reintroduced to King, what's his Faraday. Thing, King Faraday, thank you. Yeah. Uh, who is the new liaison. Mm-hmm. And he mentions that Lex has been completely docile for the past few weeks, few months when he's been yeah. in, in prison. I think instead of opening up where he's like back in action, it should have been the docile version we see where the Legion of Doom breaks him out of prison and he doesn't kind of come oh. back. On, and we can see him like mumble to himself the whole time. I see. And he doesn't come back online until Grodd holds up the piece of Brainiac. I see. Like, he, yeah, he's just kind of out of it a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, that might have been a little more interesting. Um, it would have deprived him like a really early action sequence, but I think it would have been it, it would have given him like a little more of an arc because this yeah. felt. I mean, like, they can have the other villains, you know, bust through the. Pr- they can not do the typical trope of breaking through the back wall. Yeah, like bust through and beat up all the prison guards in the middle. Yeah, or I mean, you know, they have the key, so like yeah. he literally can open any door. So just have him <laughs> show up and, and open the door. Yeah, it. Uh, and I and I know we're going to be getting better episodes further into the season, but this for me I was just kind of like. Yeah, yeah. like, you know, the, the thing that Grodd, as you pointed out, holds over Lex is that he has a piece of Brainiac. And Lex is presumably hallucinating and seeing and talking to Brainiac. Because as he puts it, like, he achieved a, a god-level status and then lost it all. And he's just so desperate to get back to To the that. comic relief. Exa- exactly, yeah. He's so desperate to get back to it that he'll do anything. So that's, you know, that's kind of like... In some ways, almost the A plot happening here is Lex's story trying to go in and do this mission for Grodd. Yeah. And then the B plot is basically that the Flash has a crush on fire. Yes. Who, I guess, reciprocates it? It's it's flirtatious banter in a very, like, innocent way. I don't want to say it's the born sexy yesterday. It's not not, quite... Yeah. But it ain't far. It's like born sexy two weeks ago. Yeah. It, she does come off like a little, like a little naive mm-hmm. and kind of childish. I It's. I don't like. Yeah. This portrayal of hers is very. I don't think they know what to do with her. I don't think they do either. Yeah. Like the thing I. So basically what happens is. Flash is afraid to talk to Fire because he's like intimidated by how hot she is, essentially. And he on both ends. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> and he's, you know, kind of sees himself such a goofball. And Shayara's like, you should just go talk to him, and then he won't do it. So when they need to go on a mission, it's the two of them, and it's like, what do we get as a third? And Shayara's like, Fire, you're with us. You're coming along. So it's it's Shayara kind of trying to like I don't know, I feel like 
sort of play matchmaker, but also just doing it for her own amusements. Oh, she's fully doing it to watch Flash fall on his face. Yeah, exactly. She literally does at yeah. one point when he jumps out of the javelin. So, uh, I think I'll, I will rephrase. I don't think it's that she's it's the uh, that she's like flirting with Flash. I think it's more that she's just very open to talking with him. Okay. And he's so used, like, we're so used to seeing him having that same energy, just, like, talk about anything with anyone. Yeah. And to see him playing this kind of coward dog while this other person's like, hey, like, let's just talk about something. What do you want to talk about? How are, how's your day going? Yeah, let's just talk about anything. Yeah. He, he won't say anything because he's, you know, trying to be serious slash intimidated. I mean, it's a, it's a different side of Flash than we've seen, which is kind of fun to see. Yeah. It's like a schoolboy crush. Yeah. It just... It feels very of its time. I liked it. I th- I thought that that bit was fun. <laughs> but you're but you're Mister I'll forgive anything for of its time. Yes, I am. So, yeah, I was just like I don't know. It it just felt a little juvenile that whole dynamic. That that's not to say that it doesn't play out in some some fun ways. Like we alluded to, when the javelin is heading towards Blackhawk Island, all of its defenses have been triggered, which includes basically just a fuckload of robots. Yep. Um, very fun robots very ro- 1960s very right we get like robot vultures mm-hmm. robot sharks robot piranhas yes robot piranhas, just general robots yep just, just big kind of almost iron giant style looking robots so the javelin is taken out by a robot vulture so they're all having to like fly off and fire is holding on to flash and he's like no you need to go help Shear. let me go i'll be fine she's like you sure i was like yeah, yeah i'll be fine she drops him and he goes oh i hope i figure something out before I yeah <laughs> and honestly like i actually do genuinely love that little moment there because the flash he would do that like he would put on that sort of bravado and be like yeah i totally got this I'm like oh fuck i don't got this but i'll think of something yeah and then his illusion of course is just like spin his arms like propellers and and basically just create like some jet propulsion yeah and it's so fun it is fun and it's and it's very him and of course there's like no way for him to land gracefully so like i said he literally falls on his face mm-hmm. but it, it's it's a charming moment it is it's it's endearing um, so I, I mean, I like that little moment. I love they brought the Blackhawks back around. I yes. just like, I don't even, honestly, I know little to nothing about the Blackhawks. I just think they're cool. That, I feel like you would be someone that would know about the Blackhawks though. I haven't really read, like, I've never read any Blackhawk comics. Obviously. I didn't do, I think we did research on it in Savage Time. I don't remember. I don't anymore. remember. It's been a long time. Like, I mean, again, the only other thing that I can pull reference from is you can punch the stamp once again is dc new frontier like they appear very briefly in that uh and they kind of make sense to appear in that story because i think they you think even in that they were participatory world war ii and it's set obviously in like the the early 60s so it kind of makes sense so it's you know it's fun to kind of bring the background again here we just have one last black hawk left still alive and you know it's i it's fun to go visit that island it kind of has a um um, like the Incredibles, No Man Is an Island, No Man Is an Island, No Man Island, sort of vibe to it. It's like kind of retro futuristic, and I guess my favorite art style. Indeed, this would have been before that. Uh, no, Incredibles, Incredibles was two thousand four, wasn't it? I thought it was uh, was two thousand five. Cars, Cars. Oh, okay, it was two thousand four. Wait, they went to this episode. Yeah, it was Monsters Inc. Oh, okay, yes, Nemo. you're right. Mm-hmm. This aired in 2005. You are correct, sir. So maybe they were kind of very possible. They were kind of pulling some reference from that, or mm-hmm. just from the old Blackhawk comics. But yeah, I've never. Yeah, I mean, I I thought this was, I I mean, I haven't seen James Bond as you know, right? But I just assumed this was a James Bond reference. It's it's kind it's it's sort of Bondian in some ways, but heavily filtered. 
Okay. Um, that's why it reminds me more of The Incredibles, which is also, again, like a very filtered Bondian through a super villain lens in mm-hmm. particular. Um, I, you know, I remember at one point, who knows if it's still happening or not, but like Steven Spielberg was attached to at least produce, but I think also direct a Blackhawks movie for DC, which I was like, kind of, that, that could be cool. I mean, yeah, I'd be down. He's got the pedigree for it, certainly. I don't know whether that's happening or not. I don't I don't know if fucking DC knows whether it's happening or not, to be perfectly honest. But, they, you know, they're an underexplored character that I would like to see kind of pop up more. And, I, and maybe, I guess they're used the right amount here, but I also kind of wish we got a little bit more of them. Yeah, I think you need to find that moment in in the future of cinema where, like, we don't have any more World War II movies. And then I think that's when you can make yeah. a Black Hawk movie. Yeah, I suppose. We do have a lot of them. We have a lot of them. There's some good ones, though. Yeah. Did you ever see um, uh, Greyhound? It was the Tom Hanks Mm-mm. submarine movie. Actually, it's not submarine. He's on a, um, a battleship escorting ships across the Atlantic during World War II and they're fighting a German sub. Actually pretty good. Okay. It's one of the it I feel like it really effectively captures what it must have been like to be on that kind of duty, just in terms of like the exhaustion and the terrible conditions. Yeah. Um but he and he's really good in it, unsurprisingly. It's fucking I mean yeah, Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks. He also wrote it. He co wrote it. Oh nice. I imagine on one of his many, many typewriters. Yes. So uh I have the the last World War II movie I remember seeing is Red Tails. Oh which okay. was great. Yeah, the uh, Tuskegee Airmen movie, mm-hmm. produced by George Lucas, if I recall. I don't think he directed it. That sounds about right. Yeah, because it's Disney, so yeah. it would make sense that Lucas is attached in some way. Yeah. But there's some good stuff in mind. Rocketeer, one of my all-time favorite movies. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, it's like World War II adjacent. Okay. So Have you seen The Rocketeer? I've not. <gasps> I got it mixed up with uh, Last Starfighter, and I saw that instead. Very different. Yes. Very different movie. You, we, Came out the same year, though. I think. Uh, or within, within like two years. Uh, I guess other. it would have been around the same time. We, we, we'll have to do a movie night. You would love. I know I would. It's yes. very, it's like 100% your style of movie. Yeah, yeah, because it is It is that retro-futuristic yeah, look Yeah, it's, it's retro-futuristic. It's Hollywood in the, the late 1930s, right yeah. before the war. It's, you know, like kind of grounded, fun, sci-fi. Joe Johnston, who um, directed the first Captain America movie. Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, he's got a very particular style that works really well. Oh, we, gotta, we should go watch that. Okay, yeah, let's do it. Okay, yeah. Um, oh, but this thing we're talking about here, I Am Legion, right? <clears throat> um, right, the other thing. <laughs> this other thing. Uh, what else happens here? I mean, I don't know. I feel like we kind of hit most of the beats. Like, there's a fun little moment where the, the island's about to blow up, and um, the last remaining black guy comes in and turns it off, and it stops at 007, which I'm pretty sure is mm, there you go. supposed to be a reference to 007. So much so that we mentioned it in the 007 references oh, in the DCAU video that I did with the Watchtower Database. So. Uh, let's see. What, what else do I have? Uh, Grodd is taking 25% for oh, the Lake of Doom. yeah. What he, a scam artist. I mean, that that... That fortress, that cloaked fortress in a swamp could not have been cheap. Yeah, but for so. every villain to be... Because we see, you know, they have the camera pan across across yeah. all the villains. And we see everybody there. Yeah. Uh, so much so I didn't write down any of them. I mean, I, I have the list here of uh, uncredited appearances. Okay. Um. Okay, so Atomic Skull, Bizarro, Black Mass, Blockbuster, Cheetah, Copperhead... Dr. Cyber, Dr. Destiny, Evil Star, Gentleman Ghost, Giganta, mm-hmm. uh, Heat Wave. I'm not sure if that's a League member or a villain member, but KG Beast, Killer Frost, Major Disaster, Metallo, Parasite, Puzzler, 
Queen Bee, Rampage, Silver Banshee, Sinestro, Sonar, Star Sapphire, The Shark, The Thinker, Toy Man, Volcana, and Weather Wizard. Wow. Um, plus, of course, the actual voice members, which include Grodd, Lex, The Key, and uh, Dr. Polaris. Yes. So, um, actually, along these lines, too, the, the one thing I do kind of love about this is it's the... Um, Michael Rosenbaum and Maria Canals episode, like mm-hmm. the voices of Flash and Hot Girl voice almost everyone else in this episode. Oh, that's hilarious as well. Yeah, because Rosenbaum also voices Doctor Polaris and like the agent that lets Lex get away. Um, and then Maria Canals also voices Fire, mm-hmm. and then the Blackhawk computer. Got it. So, oh, and also Corey Burton because he does Brainiac, the Key, and Aztec. So it's like, again, the versatility of voice actors. Yeah, Aztec Fucking is in here, it. which again I think. If we brought it up a few weeks ago, yeah. that there was kind of a, a dropped thread of Aztec being a Lex kind of drone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the word I always mispronounce? He's not a, uh, a, a many, many, many. I was many. like, you got to narrow it down for me here. <laughs> not I'm a shell. A shill? A shill. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you're right. He's yeah. he's a shell in a shell of armor. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> So, I can't be wrong. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, look, it certainly that shot of the Legion dome opening up and seeing like, all the villains back there is pretty cool. You know, it's I mean, so it, fun. You know, I mean, it's basically the, the same shot we get of like the opening of the Justice Unlimited credit sequence, like the opening title sequence of like all the heroes kind of lined up in a row. It's basically the same thing. So it's a cool reference point to that. You know, it's cool. They're establishing that this this Legion is actually going to. You know, they're basically adopting the Justice League Unlimited model. Yeah. Right. It's like, you know, they're all there to support each other. Like, you can go do your own thing. But if you're in a pinch and Superman shows up, we'll send people to come in and help you. Um, it, It's no, it's a clever idea. I think it's a, it's a clever way to justify all them getting together mm-hmm. um, to go up against like this super expanded league. And I know that it'll pay off in the long run. I just felt a little bleh. Yeah. So I sorry, I'm still stuck on this 25 percent thing. <laughs> um. I don't know how much mafia extortion is I, as someone who's never been in that situation. Yeah, I was like, I, I don't know either. Th- but th- we there's do no know mafia. That's just CEOs. Right. So we, we do know, uh, like manager and agent prices. 10%. Usually, yeah. 10%. 10%. Yeah. I feel like 10% would be an understandable and he's a villain. He can maybe go up to like 12%. Yeah. But 25%. It's just highway robbery. Broad. I, I mean, he's a villain. Yeah. That's the point. I know. I know. I don't know why that that irked me so much. I and like, <laughs> I think it's it's so much. Like, if anything, it's so much that he has to actually like deliver. Yeah. At the end of the day, like, and we do see them get away at the end of the episode. All three right. of them get away. They all get away. And like, if anything, he makes a lot of money off of it, obviously. But it it puts a burden on him. Like, people could easily be like, ah, nah, I'm gonna pass. Now, you know, even as he says to Lex, like Lex is too big of a hitter to be going freelance. So that's why he wants him on board. Right. So, I mean, Grodd is obviously compelled to try and get as many people as possible because I think he, one, wants to utilize their capabilities, but also doesn't want competition. Right. But yeah, I mean, he's he's priced his, like, services high enough that it actually it puts him in a tough spot. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, because he's – they make a point that after Manhunter – it's been very hard for the villains. And yeah. so Grodd is basically acting as the evil Manhunter now. Exactly. Yeah. Which, I mean, kind of makes sense. They're both really smart people. They and got big brains. Telepaths. Yeah. To some degree. 
So it like again, it, Manhunter can turn into an ape if he wants. A gorilla. Excuse that's me. true. That's true. He very much could. So yeah, there's there's you know, there's some fun stuff in here, but it's I I, I felt the whole thing just a little underwhelming mm-hmm. potentially. So, for now. For now. For now, at least. Um, I'm trying to think any other major things to cover. I feel like that that kind of does it. Again, we forgot to look up trivia because <laughs> senioritis. Uh, um, yeah, anything else to cover on this? Sorry, I just took a big drink of water. Please, by all means. Chug. <laughs> um, Chug away. Yes, I. we haven't done it in a few weeks because we haven't had too many new characters. Oh, that's right. I yes. did do a, be- a very brief locked... Uh, Inside a look into fire. Please give us the full tea. So she is an interesting character reading in DC Comics because she bounces around a lot and also changes her name a good amount. Okay. Uh, so her real name is Beatrice Bonilla de Costa. I'm sure okay. I mispronounced that. Mm-hmm. Uh, she started off as a model in Rio, turned okay. secret undercover agent uh, okay. for the Brazilian government. Yep. Love it. <laughs> yep. Great start. Yep. Uh, that is very Bondian. Yes. Yes. Yeah, that's very Bond. And then it goes very typical 60s. Okay. Uh, while on a while on one of her undercover missions, she was exposed to a uh, pyroplasmic explosion, an accident that granted her the powers of pyrokinesis. My God. Uh, and from there, she kind of felt the, you know, with great power comes great responsibility moment sure. where she took on the identity of Green Fury. It's a terrible name. Yep. Well, don't worry, because it changed very fast to the Green Flame. Uh, Better? Slightly. But not great still. Yeah. So when she was the Green Flame, she joined a team called the Global Guardians, uh, who, similar to her first name, were almost immediately dispersed because they lost their funding for the more important Justice League International that formed very shortly after that. Oh, Okay. Uh, and so she's kind of like, she doesn't really have anywhere to go after the Guardians dispersed. And so she uh, joined the JLI, where she changed her name, where she meets up with her very close friend at the time named Ice Maiden. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when they joined the JLI, they both realized, like, that's too complicated. We're just going to go by fire and ice now. Uh, during one of their fights with Doomsday, Ice was killed by another villain named Overmaster, who I don't know much about. I, he looks like he's from Apocalypse, but looking a brief kind of scroll through his Wikipedia, it doesn't sound like he's part of uh, Doom, not Doomsday, Darkseid's okay. team. Um, I said Doomsday. I meant Darkseid mm-hmm. at the beginning. Um, and so after Ice passed away, Fire left the JLI. She was the longest serving member for it, which is yeah, interesting. Yeah, I always associate her with the Justice League International. Yeah. Um, so then she worked back to Brazil for a little bit. Uh, and then the JLI kind of dissolved a little bit because of Maxwell Good. Low, sorry, Maxwell Lord. Mm-hmm. Uncle Max. Yep. Um, My dear sweet Uncle Max. Yep. Uh, and she joined another team, which was kind of the dissolved version of the JLI, called the Super Buddies, which oh. is such a cute name, which oh. does not match the energy of the people in the group. Do you know anything about the Super Buddies? I have never heard of this. It sounds I think like for an good Air reason. <laughs> it sounds like an Air Bud sequel. Yeah, it, all honest, I, I, honestly, I think it is an Air I Bud sequel. I think it is an Air Bud you sequel. You keep going. I'm going to double check this, but I'm pretty sure Super Buddies was, in fact, an Air Bud sequel. I, I think it was the last one, yeah, where I the mean, puppies get superpowers. God, I mean, if that series hadn't already jumped the shark numerous times beforehand, they'd found a way. Um, no, it's it's a great cast. Like, the cast wants, like, I want to read it after hearing this. It's uh, Ted Gord, Booster Gold. 
Oh, sorry, Ted Gord, Blue Beetle, Booster Gold. Ted Cord. Yep. Yeah. Also, it wouldn't be a roster, not a cast. Nope. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, Blue Beetle, Booster Gold, Fire, Elongated Man, his wife Sue, Captain Adam, and Miss Marvel. Okay, that's, yeah. That's a fun group. That is a good group. Um, Does Sue do something? I think she is probably in like a, um, what's her face? She is Batgirl and then she Oracle? shot Oracle role. Oh, okay. Would be my, would be my guess. I think okay. she's also a scientist. Okay. I kind of want her to be a lawyer. Ah, uh, yeah. They need it. <laughs> is no, there a reference I'm missing? Her, her name is Sue. Oh, okay. That's fine. <laughs> You're a little <laughs> off your game, but I'll, I'll let that one go. I mean, it was deliberately bad. Um, <laughs> and so while, um, oh yeah, and so while reading that, it, I think it's funny that they describe the super buddies as like the down to earth, like helping the helping the person on the street group. Uh, because the next paragraph I read about this was their adventure into hell to rescue Isis' soul, <laughs> which they end up wow. failing. Yes, so they team up with Etrigan to enter hell. Uh, they find the soul, but something happens and fire kind of loses it and they can't get back into hell quite a lot yeah you know just that just those down-to-earth neighborly missions right um i i looked it up super buddies is in fact <laughs> a 2013 directed video movie okay can i guess which sequel number it is um i you can i'd have to double check and see which one it is i think it's number seven because I know they go to space in one. There's a Christmas one. Right, we're looking at the uh, Airbud series. Okay. You thought it was the seventh? Oh my. Okay. I'm gonna. I'm gonna say twelfth now. <laughs> it is the fourteenth? Oh wow. So. <laughs> I think we've done this before, <laughs> but I'm going to do it again right now. So if any of you who cared, which it's again, just is, it's just, again, I would say the two of us in the room, but really it's the one. Yeah, it's, it's me. Uh, the, the order goes mm -hmm. Airbud, yep. Airbud Golden Receiver, yep. Airbud World Pup, Airbud yep. Seventh Inning Fetch, Baseball, Airbud Spikes Back, Volleyball. Uh, and then that's been off into the Air Buddies. Yep, where he has where he has puppies. Yes, and that's number six. Then Snow Buddies. Yep. Space Buddies. Yep. Santa Buddies, which yep. then spun off into the Search for Santa Paws. Yep. <laughs> Spooky Buddies. Yep. Treasure Buddies. Yep. Santa Paws to the Santa Pups, and finally Super Buddies. So I'm now I'm looking at the item to be on Super Buddies. The only there's only two real recognizable names in this. In, that oh, no, actually, there's, there, there's a few. Sorry, there's a few recognizable names in here. So uh, John Ratzenberger as Marvin Gramps Livingstone, who looking through some photos appears to actually be uh, himself, not just a voice. Um, we have him. We have Amy Sedaris mm -hmm. as Betty, the voice. Uh, uh, Deborah Jo Rupp, who was the mom in That 70s Show and then also appeared Aww. in WandaVision. Yep. Delightful Deborah Jo Rupp. She's the voice of Cow. And this is the one that totally blows my fucking mind, but I guess it makes sense given that it was Disney in 2013. Zendaya as the voice of Lollipop. Amazing. Lollipop. Um, this is incredible that they went to space before they had superpowers. Mm -hmm. <laughs> wow. 
Were there any more? How many more? How many more? That's are apparently after? the last okay, one. Okay, that's what I thought. Up to this point has been Space Buddies. I mean, no, sorry, Super Buddies. Yeah, let's see. What's left? They can go back to World War II? <laughs> paratrooper pups (laughs) there you go don't say that too loud (laughs) we're gonna see it in a year you know what someone has made a fuckload of money off this series and power to them okay well so there's one that i would expect them to do but i think they've gone too big now and i think it'd be too much of a regression but if they it's the the dogs go uh, like ice racing and they joined a sled dog team. I know it's the wrong type of dog. Has that... Wait, could that have been any one of the ones that I previously mentioned? Wait, there's snow buddies. Yeah, they... Well, they're still they puppies, go on, They go on an Alaskan adventure, but I would not be surprised if at some point in snow buddies they end up as part of a sled dog team. Oh, yeah. I'm sure there's, there's one... Like, there's a husky in here, at okay. least, so... Oh, yeah. I'm sure there's one of the puppies is having the Rudolph moment where he gets to lead the sled, do- sled dog team. I, I am sure because like the the sun shines off his golden fur. Yep. Let me just let me look up real fast on Wikipedia <laughs> here. Let's see if I see the word sled appears for. Okay, here we go. Upon arrival, the buddies meet Shasta. Can't believe we're doing this. A Siberian husky puppy whose 11 year old owner Adam Bilson is determined to win the Alaskan sled dog race because of what happened to his father. I'm not gonna bother looking up to what happened to his father. Okay, the next appears the word sled. Um, all right. They revealed to the buddies that Shasta's parents were killed in a dog sled race last year when the ice beneath them shattered to dishearten them. Okay, I guess that's okay. After being reminded how treacherous the race is by the sheriff, the puppies begin their track while John George III, unscrupulous French musher, and last year's champion cheats his way through every race by sabotaging the other musher sleds and uh, pushing them off their sleds. I'm pretty sure we can assume at this point from what I'm reading that the whole plot revolves around a sled dog. Okay, team. yeah. So so the plot I wanted does exist. It absolutely does exist. Yeah. Incredible. <laughs> Incredible. All right. I'm satisfied. I, I'm fully satisfied with the series. God. Yep, yep. It's yeah. Adam is victorious, and the buddies reunite with Buddy and Molly. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure that this involves a, uh, a, sled a puppy team. sled race. Wow. Incredible. Wow. That is. Um... I think <laughs> maybe this speaks to the quality of the episode we have before us. <laughs> we have spent ten minutes talking about air. No, buddies. I think it's more important is that you spent ten minutes talking about because like it's 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 no different if I talk about it. It's the fact that you are letting it continue. Okay. Well. That shows I mean, the quality of these episodes. Cameron, you either, you know, die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. I've become the very thing I hate the most. Yeah. Your fucking tangents. On you this live podcast. long enough for 14 sequels of Airbud. <laughs> oh, God. All right. Well, before we fall down another even worse tangent than this, any other things to cover uh, on this episode? I think that's it. I wish I knew more about the Blackhawks so I could enjoy it more. Uh, but I don't. If only we had spent ten minutes talking about Blackhawk <laughs> history instead of the Air Buddies franchise. No, no, no. It'll come. It'll come into play later in the season. But I think this is the sort of slapdash podcasting journalism our listeners have come to expect from us. Yes, I think it's fine. We're still on brand. All right. So jumping in then to episode two, Shadow of the Hawk, and in this one we meet uh, Carter Hall, an archaeologist who's uncovered an ancient nth metal sword in Egypt. 
and uh, basically asks Jair to come with him to investigate. And Carter eventually reveals that he is some other dude whose name I do not remember, but that he touched a device called the Absorbicron. Thank you. I said Omicron, and then yes. that was not right. Uh, which then uh, gave him seemingly the memories of two ancient Thanagarian lovers who crashed onto Earth during the time of the Egyptian, I guess, empire, whatever to call it, and basically built, like, brought their technology, built a paradise, and they have been reincarnated now as Carter Hall and Shaira, and he basically wants Shaira to also touch the little thingy and to regain her ancient memories as well. And she just tells him, no, you're an idiot. Your feeble human brain was just overpowered by a device that's meant to telepathic link with Thanagarians, and it fried your shit. And now you think you're Katar Hall. Yes. My former fiance who's now dead. Yes. Yes. So. Uh, it's a lot, but also nothing. It's a lot. Like, that's like, it's a lot going on here, but all for nothing. And, and when I was talking about, it felt like the, the producers, the writers were trying to like kickstart new plot threads. Like, you know, the John Shaira stuff, their relationship had a nice little button at the end of that last season when, like, they're fighting their doppelgangers. And, it, like, it's a, it's a small moment, but there's enough there to kind of be like, okay, there's some closure here, slash, it's open enough. So it feels like they're trying to, like, restart that drama, especially because John finally acknowledges the future where he has a fucking child with her. Right, which is the whole thing that we talked about in the one episode we didn't like. Oh, yeah, Hunter's Moon. Yes. Yeah, so that should have been brought up then. Yeah, the the burden of, of destiny. Yeah, because he even says, like, aren't she and her destined to be together? And Batman's just like, well, then why are you still with Vixen? Right. Just Batman throwing out some truth bombs here. Yeah, well, I, I think it's interesting, because I didn't think about it at the time, but now that we're talking about it, it's two theorized destinies kind of coming together. Oh, that's a good point, actually. Yeah. John thinks they're destined because he's seen the future, Carter thinks they're destined because he's seen the past. Yeah. I hadn't thought about that. That's a really good point, actually. Yeah. yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah, well done. That, that's a good college essay right there. <laughs> good on you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that, that, is, that is an interesting idea. And, and so that the dynamic of the opening sequence when Shaira, John, Vixen, and Batman are fighting just a bunch of random, presumably Legion of Doomers. Yeah. They looked cool. They were cool models. They did look cool. Yeah. I'm not even sure. I didn't know who a single one was who they are well i bet i can tell you here all right so um looks like dream slayer and lord havoc yeah dream slayer was the firehead boy yeah um lord havoc i'm gonna guess gorgon okay yeah gorgon is is um the medusa guy because that's what medusa is okay lord havoc's the guy who kind of looks like he's got like the um like the purple cape and the metal head he kind of and like the um like the kind of cape class. Is he the one that punched Batman in the first shot? Uh, I, yes, he's he's inspired by Doctor Doom. He clearly has a Doctor Doom yep. look to him. Um, yeah, and then oh yeah, Gorgon's got the weird hair. Yep, because yeah, because Medusa is a Gorgonite. Right, who's then clearly inspired by Doctor Octopus. Um, and then I don't know, is, maybe the, clearly they're going for one of the many Marvel references they have here. So it's well, they're all yeah. Um, oh, he's based on or she, she interesting is based on Dormammu. Oh, we know that name. We do know the name from Doctor Strange. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so they're clearly going. It's one of their many references. But we also get other. Uh, we get the adversary. Um, Giganta. Coons. Who is this person? <laughs> Again, that's <laughs> what happens when we do uh, these things. Oh, okay. I think these are in some of the. When we're seeing that Carter has been following Shira around, we see some other fights. Yeah, the I think av- that's yeah, that's where we see Giganta. Yeah, the adversary is someone that they're fighting on the beach. Um, 
and so when they fight, uh, yeah, the snow. also, oh, and the coons are that's oh, probably the snow people, yes, exactly. The coons, cuns, I don't know how this is pronounced, but I'm sure I'm pronouncing, guess it, cuns. pronouncing it wrong. Either way, it's it sounds like a word I shouldn't be saying, yeah, yeah. Um, and then Tracer was another villain that they think they're fighting at the beginning and inspired by Sabretooth. So yeah, they were doing, okay, yeah. doing a whole Marvel thing there. But I, I do like the dynamic of Carter, Shaira, John, and Vixen all together and just like the awkwardness of all of it, of like John being over defensive Shaira and Vixen being like, what the fuck are you doing? Mm-hmm. And Batman is kind of sitting there just watching this all unfold. I, I bet he's just happy that it's someone else's love life is causing drama. Oh, he's so excited. Yeah. <laughs> Because it's everything they've said to him, he gets to turn on them. Because like, what are you guys thinking with your libido so much? The, the man, at least in this universe, has like never had a healthy relationship that did not involve some kind of drama, right? Obviously, you got Andrea Beaumont, Phantasm, Catwoman, Talia, kind of Batgirl, kind of Batgirl. Um, I think we can go ahead and throw in like the Poison Ivy plant thing that he married. Yep. Uh, in the new Batman Adventures, and their Wonder Woman. Obviously, there's some drama there as well. I don't, sure. I don't think so. I think the reason that it's not working for him is because there isn't drama. Because Wonder Woman is just Maybe. very much go with the flow. He's like, you yeah. want to go brood? Go fucking brood. I'll be yeah. here. I suppose that's true. Like, that you're not going to fight with me? She's not going to chase him, I suppose. I think it's what ultimate comes down to. Yeah. And, and he's, he's not going to chase her. Yeah. <laughs> and so they just stand there. Certainly. So it's, yeah, they're, they're a romantic stalemate. So... <laughs> But I mean, I guess you know she's on the same team as him, so mm-hmm. I suppose there's a little bit of drama there. But yeah, this this is a whole other level. This whole love square happening in front of him. So like that that part of it is kind of fun to see all of that play out um, together. But Batman basically stops Jair before she goes on a date with him, and it's like this dude's a stalker. Like he showed up here. He's been showing up at a bunch of our different fights in the last few months. Shows her video of him in the background, all this sort of stuff. Like he's not to be trusted um but she still goes on a date with him looking great in a dress uh, john like is shocked to see her in a dress yeah literally jaw dropped literally to the point of he yells like judas priest as she walks into the turbo lift yes <laughs> so, but to be fair we've never seen her in a dress either and she yeah. does look great mm-hmm. um but yeah so she still goes on a date with him she still sleeps with him oh like, they fuck yeah like that's i mean it's she's a naturally flirtatious person but yeah that's that's very heavily implied that they totally fuck yeah um, and then she just decides to go and explore an ancient Egyptian tomb with him, despite him being a stalker. And then Batman being a Batman, of course, has put like a bug on Shara's mace mm-hmm. and is following them through the tomb. And they're also being followed by the Shadow Thief. Yes. Who, if I recall, gets more background reveal later on. Okay, yeah. So I when I finished this episode, I wrote what I wanted him to be, and I think that's what happens in the next episode, if I remember. Th- is he the reincarnation of the of the priest that poisoned them? I think so. Okay. I, I, I vaguely remember him having some sort of origin. It's also worth noting whether it was intentional or just a fun little thing is that both Carter Hall and the Shadow Thief are voiced by the same voice actor, James Remar. Yes. So I and I do not remember, and I'm not gonna look it up because we'll get to it when we get to it. If there is some sort of deeper connection there between the two of them, it's to explain why it's the same voice. I don't remember. Yeah, I would like, I would have liked it to be the priest. Yeah. If I, they're gonna go in this whole reincarnation I thing, think he might be, or at least have it in this episode where Carter thinks it's the priest, uh, because that would make sense for his story. But in reality, it's just a 
a guy trying to grave rob. Yeah, trying to grave rob. Yeah. So, yeah, because his whole thing is he's following them because he wants to get access to all the, the, the treasures buried within the tomb. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's, and like, they fight robot zombies. Yeah, at wasn't one feeling point. That. I was like, it's so weird that they end up making them robots because they looked like they would have been like just entombed, mummified like palace guards or whatever. Yeah, yeah, because it's three layers. And it's one layer too many because it's yeah. a robot zombie mummy. Yeah, exactly. I'm just like, what, what, is, what, is, what, what, what is this? Yeah. What? It's one too many layers. It's, yeah, it's too many hats. There's one thing I think could have saved this episode if they would have followed through with this idea. Mm-hmm. It is, they know the, the, uh, the pyramid is booby-trapped or the yeah. tomb is booby-trapped. Who do we know that's great at getting out of booby traps? Mr. Miracle. I think Batman should have recruited Mr. Miracle for this mission. I agree with you. I think that would have been so fun. But very on brand for Batman to not do that. Right. He's just got to do it himself, of course. Which, okay, on a cynical side, I'm like, that's just Batman being dickish Batman. But from another angle, one could read that as it's him trying to look out for his friend, a fellow you know, founder of Justice League, who he respects, and he doesn't want to widen that circle any more than it needs to be widened out. So he just does it himself. Yeah. Um, rather than, like, compromising her further. Because he never admits to being just a typical dick Batman by following her. Like, even when she says, how crazy do you think I am? His just joking response is, like, on a scale of 1 to 10. Like, he, he doesn't make apologies for how he is, but what he's doing could still be read as, I suppose, looking out for her, but it's also just typical batman and pretty chauvinistic behavior too i think the reason we get this batman again is the question is gone and so now batman can take that role Mm, again because we saw him be very um logical in in the last season because the question could balance out that kind of conspiracy side yeah uh but but also to to counter that point of wanting to keep the circle small if mr miracle comes Barda's also coming with him. Oh. And I think that would have been very cute for it. Cause you know, that is the idyllic couple outside of green arrow and black canary. They're the couple that has it all figured out. And so if they see if, if it's Mr. Miracle and Barda and Hawk girl sees them and Barda just gives one line of like, it's not that hard. Like yeah. relationships aren't supposed to be that hard. Yeah. I do love Barda. And Mr. Yeah. Miracle. I think that would have been such they're, a cute, like they're so great to have, have the mm. therapy couple come in. Yeah. The, the one couple that actually well actually no, the two couples that actually work well oh, three who's the third one i i would say question the huntress works i do yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. and then um arrow and canary. arrow and canary yeah yeah those are those are all actually pretty healthy relationships yeah functioning relationships certainly yes functioning over healthy yeah i don't know if i would go so far as to say healthy with huntress and yeah and... i mean but barda and, and miracle are, are pretty healthy they're they're yeah. they were friends turned relation like they did the, the steps yeah they're so cute yeah i love them together i want more stuff with them um, and I think like Hawkgirl and, and GL as well really need a talking to from someone that understands healthy relationships. Oh my God. Well, don't talk to Bruce. <laughs> that, that's the problem. They only talk to Bruce. Fuck. Like, yeah, that's true. Yeah, John, like, I mean, okay. Who, Solely gets his advice from Bruce. Who else is John going to talk to? Wally? No. Nope. No, he's not going to give good advice. Like, I think he's probably not going to talk to Superman because Superman just is a little bit too goody two shoes. Even though he's in his own pretty fucked up relationship because he's actively dating Lois Lane, who I think we can assume still does not know he's Clark Kent. Yes. Based on like the, the one scene we have them together having a picnic towards the end of the last season. At no point. She never calls him Clark. 
Right. Which I feel like she would do if she knew his secret at that point. Yeah, yeah, because that's how they all interact. Yeah, so he's not the best person to talk to. So I guess Bruce might be kind of the best person to talk to because he has at least survived a lot of these fucked up relationships. But none of them have ended well. Yeah, I mean, in the comics, there's always a friendship between at least Hal and Ollie. Yeah. And I, I don't understand why they couldn't, like, grow that out with uh, John and Ollie. Because, like, there's always that green arrow, green green lantern combo. Yeah. Because it's the same idea. It's it's Ollie's always very left. Yeah. And then the green lanterns are almost always military first. Yeah. I, but I feel like, yeah, I guess, I mean, yeah, because, you know, Hal Jordan's a, an Air Force pilot. John was a Marine. Maybe John's mm-hmm. just too serious for Ollie. I think he is. Yeah, because Hal doesn't take anything seriously, and that's why they work together. Yeah, exactly. I think I, I could see John not having a lot of patience for Ollie and Ollie not really wanting to try to make friends with someone who is just so serious all the goddamn time. So you can mm-hmm. understand why, like, weirdly enough, Bruce and John would have kind of a friendship, especially because they did both make it all the way through the Once in Future Things story together. Yeah. So Bruce is also the only person that knows that future. Right. So, which is, oh, it's weird. It's good drama. It is. It, it's it's good drama that I'm glad they're trying to exploit. I just don't know if they've really found it yet. Yeah. And yes, I, I don't, against my best wishes, I don't want to pitch this as a two-parter. Oh my good God. It, it's already kind of thin. I don't know how much they, like yeah. how much else they could put into it unless you did more upfront stuff. And we're going to get follow-ups on this. It's just yeah. not immediate. So it's not the end of this story. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I will say that they definitely still play Vixen as the jealous girlfriend at times. And I feel like that is balanced out to some degree by her just continuing to be a fucking badass every time she's on screen. Like what she takes like a big hit and then she like takes on the powers of a snake to choke someone out. And then I forget. I think John, someone asked her, like, are you good? Like, oh, I just didn't catch my breath. But like, She's well, yeah, ju- well, she takes a full fire blast. That's to the right. Face. That's right. Yeah. She's just so cool. Yeah. And it, it, look, it definitely helps that she's voiced by Gina Torres, who is just like exudes cool and charm mm-hmm. all the time. For those of you who are not familiar with who that is, uh, she was Zoe in Firefly slash Serenity. So married to Wash mm-hmm. and a total badass Nat. She has like recurring roles in suits she has voiced um superwoman in justice league crisis on two earths she's just like one of those people that just pops up in everything oh she was in the matrix sequels like she just pops up and stuff and is always good whenever she's there and i adore her and think she's a total badass and she continues to be a total badass whenever she voices vixen here yeah so uh she's so cool so freaking cool but yeah i love vixen and like i feel bad that well we get the actual or i've said this before we get the actual origin of warhawk in a batman beyond slash like justice league beyond comic that it's i think technically not the same universe as the dcau but like mostly the same but if you treat that as canon she kind of gets done dirty unfortunately yeah so i don't love not necessarily love would okay so i don't want to add more complications to this love square that already exists. Mm-hmm. You can try to make it into a love pentagon. <laughs> no, I'm not adding another person. Okay. <laughs> what if I was there? <laughs> um, no, but I wonder if there was like a line that could have been said. Cause like they, 
go out of their way to make Carter Hall like the most handsome man that yeah. has popped up in the DCAU. Yeah. And that's yeah. hard to do because yeah, there's a true. lot of handsome men in this universe. Aren't there? Uh, but if there's a point where like, you know, Shaira is against going on this date and Vixen is like, like, how can you turn a guy like that down? Like, you know, like not, yeah. not that she's wants a relationship with him, but like, acknowledges that he's attractive which makes john more uncomfortable yeah. just being in the middle of it all that, that would so make fun. it a true square yeah that would have been like oh, i wouldn't turn down at a dinner with him yeah he's like where i'll, I'll go where are you going yeah he's like mm-hmm. i get it mm-hmm. he's pretty handsome yeah i think that could have been a fun one line yeah i mean he's a psycho stalker but worth yeah but they don't know that yet worth <laughs> it still maybe she's not i mean he's not stalking her so it's that's that's true if we weren't learned anything from three seasons of you as long as you're not the one being stalked, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> he he seems like he would put in the effort too, in a way that uh, so like Bruce, for example, probably wouldn't. Oh no. Yeah, we, we've we've had this conversation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we've definitely had a conversation about which of the Just League members uh, actually offer foreplay and which ones don't. Yeah. Oh yeah. The whole world had this conversation. <laughs> yeah, that's true. We weren't alone in that. Um. Yeah. I mean, the rest of it kind of plays out pretty generically. Like you know, eventually we Carter reveals himself in like the full Hawkman look, which is like, it's classic Hawkman look, which is pretty cool. And I guess this origin is like a kind of a semi combination of the golden age and silver age origins of, of Hawkman. Um, you know, a big like fight ensues and they like defeat the shadow thief temporarily. And they get out of there before it all collapses. And Carter's just like, you know, I know who I am and you'll figure it out eventually too. Even if you can't touch the, uh, uh, more the Omicron. Absor- yeah. The absorbicron <laughs> thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's just there's some fun stuff in here, but again, it just feels a little underbaked. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, anything else to cover on this? Um, the wings are detachable. Yeah, it's like he like puts it on as like a harness, but then yeah, the, we see it in silhouette. Yeah, but then what are they like? Mechanical? I guess are they robots. Robots? Are they, are they organic? I mean. It's weird. I don't want to think that the Egyptians <laughs> had wings. Yeah. But I think that's kind of what they're referencing here. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I'm sure in the comic somewhere it's explained how, like, he's he has wings that aren't actually attached to him. Because I think there's some versions where he's not born with them. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how that works. It's kind of weird. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. I don't need an answer. It just kind of was like, interesting. Okay, yeah. Yeah. All right, yeah. I don't know why he'd do that in silhouette, but sure. Yeah, I guess because they didn't want to like show how it works. <laughs> it's a ba- no, like you see, it's a backpack. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, that's it right. it's just yeah, it's just a Jan Sport. Yeah, so I don't know. Hey, whatever. I've I've I don't want to ask you more questions about this episode. Yeah. He just drank a lot of Red Bull. There you go. All right. Well, shall we uh, move on here? Yeah. All right. Let's do some. Back plugs and then land this bird. All right. Uh, what this do you hawk? This hawk. Exactly. It's, we'll, we'll go and take off our wings. Uh, Cameron, what there do you have you to go. plug this week? Um, I haven't watched a ton of new stuff. Okay. But last weekend, I forgot it finally was coming out. But there was a game that took over my life for nine years called League of Legends. Uh, and there was a lot of great characters in that game. Okay. And they they made a great, great backstories for a lot of these characters. Some of them not as good as the others. Okay. But Netflix finally made a series based on a handful of the League of Legends characters called Arcane. Oh, okay. And it's a beautifully animated series. I think the story is, is good so far, but I also know these characters. So it's, 
I, I'm just excited to see them in animation form. Uh, yeah, it's a really cool story. The first three episodes came out last week. The next three came out this weekend, which I have not watched yet, and I think it's going to last the rest of the month. Okay. Um, yeah, it follows a, a sister pair uh, that are born in kind of a very rough, uh, pre- I guess like a rough neighborhood, and it's the two of them just basically trying to survive with each other. Hmm. Uh, and it's great. It's it's if you know the story of League, you know kind of one of them turns into a cop and the other one turns into this basically psycho serial killer. Psycho so, killer. Yeah. Uh, it's so it's kind of the like how did they get to that point in their life? Okay. Oh, okay. I mean, Haley Steinfeld is one of the leads. Yep, she plays uh, Vi, right? Uh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, as an aside, the hockey looks great. What like Hawkeye the show? It does like the the stuff they put out this last weekend over on Disney Plus Day. Mm-hmm. It looks so fun. Yeah, that looks great. I'm so excited uh, for that show. Me too. Mm. It's only a couple weeks, right? Uh, like two weeks. Yeah, it comes out on the 24th. Oh, perfect. Yeah, yeah, Thanksgiving. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's kind of that's kind of been my big plug. I'm, I'm just more, I'm excited to watch the rest of these episodes. Oh, cool. I, I honestly did not know that they had even. Um, yeah, are you seeing like like photos of the art style? Yeah, I was looking at some photos. It looks cool. Yeah, it's it's, it's really pretty. It's cool. Yeah, yeah. Mm. it's it's very like painterly. Yeah. Well, this is interesting. Yeah, mm. I I have no connection or understanding of League of Legends whatsoever. No, that's totally fine. I don't think you have to to, yeah. to get into the but show. But it, it's interesting. They finally someone finally like adapted it somewhere. Yeah, twelve years later. Yeah, interesting. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, what about you? What do you got to plug? Uh, I watched Jungle Cruise. You finally watched Jungle Cruise. Well, it finally hit Disney Plus for free. That's true. Happy Disney Plus Day. Yeah. Look, I thought it was really fun and charming. It's really fun, right? It's cute. You know, it's, it's better than we expected. It is better than I expected. You know, I'd heard a lot of people be like, oh, it's just like, you know, they rip off a bunch of stuff from Pirates of the Caribbean. Not wrong. Yeah. Um, and also, that's fine. Pirates is also good. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I quite enjoyed it. I thought that, you know, uh, Dwayne Johnson and I mean Blunt had like really good chemistry. I've heard a lot of people complain about Jack Whitehall's character. I liked him. I thought he was fun. Yeah, same. I I, I basically just kind of again liked... Disney's first gay character. Oh my god, yeah, <laughs> first with an asterisk. It's our it's our next first gay character. Yeah, oof. Um, yeah, like Jesse Plemons is like this weird like German prince is also <laughs> fantastic. Like I, I just had fun with it. It's it's dumb but it knows that it's dumb exactly it's it's charming like the rock is able to deliver like the real bad dad joke lines in a way that works and like the movie itself points out how bad the jokes are which i really appreciated you know like some of the action set pieces are pretty fun you know i i had a good amount of fun with it yeah same actually so i'm like it was it was pretty good yeah, we'll get ready because we're probably going to get five more of these. We, we probably will. Yeah. But I was like, and know. if it follows pirates, you know, two are going to be good. Yeah, exactly. And so. if, if we're three of five, I'll take it. Yeah. Um, but no, honestly, especially because if you have a Disney Plus account, it's it's quote unquote free. I think it's worth a watch. Yeah. Disney it's... Plus just added a bunch of content for Disney Plus Day. They did. Two year anniversary. So we got that. Shang-Chi is now available on Disney Plus. Yes. Go watch that. That's yes, great. Yes. I already rewatched it. It's so, so good. So good. I love that movie so uh, much. The new Home Alone is out, which I'm excited to see. I've heard pretty good things about it so far. It looks fun. It's got a good cast. Mm-hmm. It's got a really good cast. So. Uh, and then a handful of other things I don't remember. Yeah. Lots some... of like little mini docs and stuff like that. But um, yeah, there's some good stuff up there. But yeah. Jungle Cruise. Worth a watch. Good. So I watched that. And then uh, inspired by our episode last week, I've been watching Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? The original Aww. Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? Um, it's fun. It's so fun. Like, what's interesting is we, we talked a little bit about this last week of how I always remember watching that a lot as a kid. 
it turns out what I was mostly watching as a kid was season two, mm-hmm. which is half as many episodes. But I remember being broadcast a lot more. And I feel like maybe the reason is by the time I got to season two, they had kind of settled more into the flow and like the things you expect. So like they are, there's, they're goofier. There's more moments of them, like, you know, giving like the werewolf a haircut and pretending to be barbers and like, yeah, going like full Tex Avery. Yeah. Like they, they lean much more into like the cartoony goofiness of it. Cause otherwise the first season, they don't really do that at all. The first season actually played a lot more straight. Mm-hmm. Second season, a lot goofier. And then you had mentioned about how, you think you vaguely recollected that the show was kind of like Looney Tunes, that it was built around trying to showcase bands. It, it wasn't built around the bands, but it was a a way to co- to cut costs. So, it, at least having rewatched all of season, so season one has like no original music in it; it's just score. Oh, interesting. Season two, I think it's just the same band playing a new song every episode because they re- the, the the theme song is recorded by a different artist when they got to season two. And it, just based on the sound, I think it's that same group is playing a new original song, like a new original pop song in every episode. And there's like a, an extended montage chase sequence where they're playing over it. Okay. That's still cool. It is cool. Yeah. It's, it is fun. And, you know, I think I think a lot of the monsters that are really famous came from that first season. But I think a lot of things we remember about Scooby-Doo came from the second season. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been fun. Good. I'll have to go back and rewatch yeah, it. Yeah, let's go back. And I burned through it pretty quick. And Yeah, I mean, it's only 24 episodes. Um... Yeah, some like twenty five, I think. Mm-hmm. Twenty, yeah. But there's also a, a third season that was in the eighties. That's under the same name, which is interesting. They like they brought back they brought back Scooby Doo, Where Are You in like seventy eight for another I don't know ten episodes or something like that. But it's 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 on there as a third season on HBO Max. Yeah, because that would have been the same time as the new Scooby Doo show was running. Oh, okay, I don't know. All I know is it's been kind of fun to go back and revisit it, and there have only been a handful of times when it's been really, really problematically racist. So, 1966. Uh, 69. Sorry, yeah, so yeah, 69. In nice. <clears throat> Just saying, Cameron. Mm-hmm. You gotta step up your, your Scooby Doo game here. 66 was Flintstones then? Well, we weren't talking about the Flintstones. I know, but I, I have to correct myself of why I thought 66 I know, you're, for you're Hanna-Barbera. Dig yourself out of this. And then 67 was Jetson's. Scooby Doo hole. But, and then... Uh, yeah. Just saying. Getting, getting out dude here. I'm not getting out dude. I made a three-year-off mistake, and, and I'm know, explaining and, 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 why and, and, I made that mistake. You know, you, you had some some misrecollections about uh, about you know the the use of original artists in those movies. I was not mis misremembering. That was me so. watching uh, video essays about Scooby Doo and then bringing it up, and then mm. me recounting those video essays right so maybe not actually going straight to the source yeah like a good researcher would just, um, oh, like a good researcher would yeah just, yeah, yeah, yeah just saying just saying mm-hmm. uh does having a, <laughs> your own personal research now has that gone to your head chris it does yes i've done mm-hmm. my own research yep yeah when was the last time you read a, read a shang chi comic <laughs> um september yeah i read them for work <laughs> So, not sure why you went there, because that is actually something I did have to do. I was do. trying to think what you would have hired a researcher to do instead. <laughs> yeah, I actually, I put in the work, too, all right? Mm-hmm. I'm, I mean, I'm still reading Dune. <laughs> When's the last time you watched a James Bond movie, Chris? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I need to go see No Time to Die for a third time. Sure. I really need to. I definitely want to go watch it again. Well, did you see the, the AMC Disney Plus thing that was happening this weekend? 
No? What? It was a cool thing. I wish I had time to do it this weekend. They were doing mystery screenings all weekend at AMCs, and you could pick either a... Uh, they had three uh, screens set up at every AMC, except the Sunset 5, because that only has, you know, five screens. Five. Uh, but there was a Disney animated screen, there was a Pixar screen, I guess four, and a Star Wars screen and a Marvel screen. I don't think that had Marvel, actually. I think it was just uh, Star Wars and the other two. That is such a Disney thing to do. But they were cheap. It was five. It was a $5 movie, and you didn't know what you were going into. Right, see. but just, like, they love to do, like, I feel like they were some of the first ones to do, like, blind bags and that sort of thing. Like, oh, my God, what are you going to get? It's yeah. all part of the mystery. Collect them all. Of course, they found a way to do that in a movie theater. It, I'm not so... saying it's not fun. I'm just yeah. saying it's very Disney. Yes. Very, very I Disney. wish I had time to go. But honestly, honestly, though, if someone did the same thing for a James Bond movie, it's like five bucks and you're just going to watch and it'll be any one of them, I would go to like all of them. Yeah. I know. I was looking at how long each uh, movie was. I'm like, all right, I can guess based on how long it is. Yeah. What they're playing. Exactly. And honestly, like if it was James Bond, I would be there would be some that I'd be super excited for, but I wouldn't be upset about any of them. Really. Right. Yeah. Seeing them in theaters like that's Yeah. You know, for James Bond especially, you weren't alive for the majority the, of them. The first one that I saw in theaters was Tomorrow Never Dies, and I have seen all of them since then. In that was ninety seven. Seven. Okay. Ninety seven. Well done. Um, I have seen uh, a retro screening of On Her Majesty's Secret Service mm-hmm. um, because George Lazenby was also there to do a Q and A. Lovely. He, he's still a cad. Love him for who he is. Um, and I don't think I've seen any of the other ones in a theater since then. Um, but yeah, like anytime an opportunity pops up to see a Bond movie in theater, regardless of which one it is, like I, of course I'm going to go do it. Yeah. I mean, I did at the beginning of the year when movie theaters first started opening again, yeah. I went to go see Lilo and Stitch in theaters. Yeah. That'd be a good one. That to was see. so, that was so fun. It's yeah. so pretty. Yeah. It'd be fun to see in theaters. Um, okay. Wait, I mean, we, well, let's take a moment here. What is the one movie you have not seen in theaters that you really want to? Because you have seen Who Framed Roger Rabbit in theaters. I have now. Because we were there. Yes. We were there for that. We did an episode on it. I don't think I've seen Speed Racer in theaters. I don't think I did either, actually. I don't think yeah. I saw it in theaters. Because I would, uh, my friend Dylan had it, and his his dad had, like, the home theater. So okay. it felt, you know, it had yeah, the reclining chairs. Yeah, it was a good experience, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't, you know what? I have not seen Clue. I think I had tickets once to go, but it was, oh, like, a midnight a screening, one. and I yeah. got drunk instead, and I didn't make it. I have seen Casablanca in theaters. Mm, at that's, least, a, that's a good at one. At least once, maybe twice. I know I know at least once I've seen that in theaters. Um, but yeah, I've not seen Clue in theaters to my recollection. Yeah, I've seen Scott. I've seen Scott Pilgrim a few times in theaters. Now. You saw it again in theaters recently. <laughs> yeah, I saw it for the tenth anniversary. Yeah, uh, and I was there for the for the first screening. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would, I'd probably say Speed Racer is my number one. Yeah, I think and then Speed Racer. like Hercules is probably. I don't think I've seen Hercules in theaters. Okay, I'm pretty sure I did. I'm pretty sure I did. Would have been old enough, but mm-hmm. no, there you go. Yeah, I don't know. I guess you want to write in to let us know what. <laughs> yeah, we'll bring questions back. Why not? <laughs> What movie you really want to see in theaters? You can, yeah, you can reach us. Uh, but if you do want to reach us for that or any other reasons, uh, you know, if you want to shame Cameron and his lack of Scooby Doo knowledge, as you should, you can find us at Tim Talk Pod on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Gmail. You can find me at Lordifer on Twitter and Instagram. Yes, if you want to see my art, you can find that at Cameron.Dexter. If you want to see my face, you can find that at CamDexter underscore Adventures. Wee! All right, we will be back next episode covering Chaos at the Earth's Core and To Another Shore. I do not remember either of these. So do I. it shall be interesting. But... Yes. Until then, thanks for listening, everybody, and bye bye. Bye. Bye 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 b
Beautiful. Flawless that time. Oh, I wouldn't use that word. <laughs> <laughs>